Well, it's a privilege to be able to uh, introduce our speaker today. Uh, we as a church are part of an association of churches uh, that share a common uh, belief and doctrinal statement, and so that's what joins us together. And uh, the, today we have our Eastern Regional Director for our Association of Churches here with us, Tom Lamshed. And so, uh, Tom, we're going to invite you to come up and share with us today, and God's blessing on you as you share his word. Thank you, Wayne. Good morning. I can't really see you. Are you there? <laughs> Here we go. Oh, look at you. Yeah, it's just good to be amongst uh, known friends and unknown friends, right? <laughs> some we met, some we haven't. Just a good to be in grace today. I, I, of course, I mean that theologically, right? We're in grace, but we're also spatially in uh, grace, and even those of you online, you're falling into this community of uh, grace, and it's just good to, to come back and be with you. This is an important week, by the way, for our association. Um, you, you probably don't know this, but at this very hour, right now, as a matter of fact, one of our churches out in the Ottawa area is uh, an individual, potential pastors preaching right at this very moment for a call and the congregation will be voting on that individual uh, this morning. And so uh, Grace knows what that's about, having recently had that journey. And so, you know, just asking for your prayers uh, for that uh, happening even here this morning. But this week, the association has its national conference, right? So Thursday till Saturday out in Banff, and uh, so that's a big thing. We don't have a whole lot of business to actually do, some cleaning up things that are important uh, organizationally, but really it's a time of connecting, being together, uh, gr growing in the, the depth of peer relationships and the growth that happens there, but also falling under the scriptures, listening in on what God would have to say, what is he speaking to our hearts about, what are we taking back to our churches, to our people, to our families, and so you, you might be in uh, prayer for that, uh, even Pastor Louis is on his way now or almost now uh, to, to go there for a few days ahead of time and then we'll have our conference on Thursday. So be praying about that too. It's an important week uh, for, our, uh, for your sister churches across our nation. And so we're grateful uh, to do that. And it's my joy to be able to serve within the association and to support the churches uh, that are uh, pursuing their mission and vision together. So but the job here today is just to open up the scriptures. It's to see if, if from the scriptures God might teach us something that is helpful for the life that we live. And I want you to turn in your Bibles or in your, on your devices to a story in 1 Samuel 12. Uh, and we'll just follow a story here and just unpack some, uh, some truths Have you got any good memories from your past? Is there something in your past that when you think of it, you just smile? Here's one of mine. Just put that on screen for me if you don't mind. Okay, so, so you're going to say, why is he putting that on screen? Well, that's a very recent picture of me. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
recent plus 50 years, but, it's a, but it's, I'm about 12 or so years old, and, and here I am doing one of the things I, I like to do in life is to fish, and that's probably the biggest thing I've ever seen um, in life. And my cousin, who's moving uh, from his house, just has an old nostalgia box, and opened the nostalgia box, and there inside the nostalgia box was a picture of me, and he sent that over, and I looked at that, and I smiled, and I remembered the moment, and I remembered the joy. This, for some of you, this might be helpful to know that's at Fair Havens, our denominational camp, and, and I smiled. <laughs> what about you? Is there a memory that just pops into your mind, and even as you're thinking about that, you're smiling? We have those. We have those joy moments. On the other side, we also have those not-so-joy moments too, right? We have those moments from our past that, that I call cringeworthy, right? They're just cringeworthy. They, they, they send a shiver down your spine, and you're just, oh, you, you wish it weren't true, right? You just wish it weren't true. True, and, and in each of our cases, the cringeworthy things, they can, they can span the gamut from anywhere from just embarrassing to actually debilitating. Some of those things can span the, the spectrum of all of those things. And, and for each of us, it's different. Maybe for you, there's some family relationships that have gone south pretty badly, over something you said or something that you did, and boy, you wish you could just sort of take that back and you cringe even as I say that. Uh, others, maybe it's some financial missteps. And in the financial missteps, now the whole retirement thing is taking on some new dynamics and not great ones, right? And you cringe, or maybe you participated and aided in a church split. And now you think, I died on the wrong hill, and I cringe over that one. Or maybe it's something you don't even know what you did. You, you, you just Somehow or other, there was an offense given. You're not sure what it was, but somehow or other, the relationship is just not where it ought to be. And you cringe over something that you're not even sure why. We all have those things in our life that burden our soul. We all have those things in our life that that weigh us with a measure of guilt that's not really helpful to the life that we're called to live now. We all have those things in our lives that have affected how we're going to function even today. Now, if you have those cringeworthy things in your own past, then you're in good company. And I don't simply mean in good company in this grouping, but you're in good company in the group of biblical heroes and greats as well. You're in a long train of people who actually, from their own past, have the cringeworthy moments. If, here's a short list of people who are less than stellar, who are not necessarily aligning with God's character in some of the things that they were doing. Moses was a murderer. Think about that. Samson, an adulterer, Sarah, a doubter, Jacob, a deceiver, Rahab, a harlot, Jonah, a rebel, David, an adulterer, Peter, a denier of Christ. See, apparently, God uses people with messed up past. 
somehow in the process, God uses them, draws them to himself, draws them to his will, and moves them forward. See, even some of those things of our past that don't make us smile are some of the very things that God uses to move you forward. There's several verses in scriptures, I think, that, that help us to feel comforted as we pa- unpack a story of how to deal with our past. One of those verses is in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And I'm fully aware that for some of the people that are in this room, and maybe for some of you that are online, that verse, as short as it is, is full of questions. Like, what does in Christ mean? What does new creation mean? What of the old has gone? What of the new has come? And there's a whole lot of questions packed in there. And if that's your question, as you listen to the comfort that that can bring, if you have those questions, then you need to ask somebody. In fact, if you're in the room, ask somebody who's sitting nearby you who seems to get it. Right? They seemed to get it. When the worship was happening, they were connected. When the prayer was happening, they were connected. When the joy of even hearing all the activities they announced with, there was a get it factor that you sensed around you, and that's a person to ask. What does it mean to be in Christ? Or, of course, anybody who is serving you today, right? Anybody who has served you here or had greeted, ask that question. What does that mean to be in Christ? Because apparently God has fully dealt with the cringeworthiness of our lives through his son. What does it mean then to be in Christ? And for those of you online who don't have the advantage of the morning here together, then just call up the church. Get in contact. Find out what it means to understand that God has fully dealt with our past in his son. Right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Also, God says, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The cringeworthiness of our lives, as we remember, apparently, God chooses to forget. Uh, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Some old preacher got excited about that one and said, God buries our sins in the sea of forgetfulness and puts up a no fishing sign. Uh, that's not bad. You know what? Yeah. This is what God does. God fully deals with that in His Son. But maybe God forgets. But I don't. (laughs) But I don't. Some of that which is a part of my past still makes me cringe, still burdens me with my guilt burdens me with the life I am living now. Now I want to take us to 1 Samuel chapter 12. I'm going to introduce you to a story. It's the story of Samuel. 1 Samuel 12 is the story of Samuel, the leader of the Israelites, the prophet of God, who is passing on the torch. He is actually going into a new chapter of life. He's leaving the past behind and he's going into something that's different, that's new. The the story, as much as you need to know, is that Samuel had hoped 
that Israel would remain a theocracy. So the theocracy is God as the sole leader. Okay? Yet that's what he'd hoped. That's what it had been planned. But the Israelite people wanted a monarchy. They wanted a, a king, a human leader. And so Samuel appoints a human leader, a monarchy, and at this moment, he's about to leave his leadership. He's about to go to, from the past now into the future. And as he does this, we'll see as the story unfolds, he introduces a number of helpful principles for helping me with my past. Helping me to see how to, that there is a way to be bigger than my past. So let's follow along in the story and see how it unfolds. In verse 1 of Samuel chapter 12, Samuel said to all Israel, I have listened and my sons are here with you. I have been your leader from my youth until this day. Here I stand. Testify against me if in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whom's, whose hand have I accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes? If I've done any of these things, I'll make it right. You have not cheated or oppressed us, they replied. You have not taken anything from anyone's hand. Samuel said to them, The, the Lord is witness against you and also his anointed and is his witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. He is witness they said. Let's stop there for a moment. To live above your past, you have to start living right, right now. Integrity leads the way. The past might not be full of integrity, but integrity leads the way from here. The strength of our life is not in our past. The strength of our life is in our character. The strength of our life is in the integrity with which we live as we go from this point on. Samuel wanted to make sure that he was right with his people. He wanted to make sure he was right with his people. And so he asked a series of questions pertinent to that era. And it's hard to know from the actual language that is written here what was actually motivating the question. Was he asking this question as sort of proving to them that he was a good guy? Right? Holier than thou in a sense. Or was, which is un, kind of unlikely, but, or was he asking the question to ensure that he was leading that life of integrity, to ensure that he had done what was right and, and good, and he was doing what was right and good as he go forward? It's hard to know what motivates, but either way, it's still the same point, is that integrity leads the way forward. It's doing that which is right that leads you to a life that doesn't have the cringe-worthy moments. Integrity leads. No one can go back and make a brand new start. But everyone can start today and make a brand new ending. No one can go back and make a brand new start, but everyone can start today and make a brand new ending. That's not new to me. It's not original to me, okay? So don't think that I'm a brilliant thinker by saying that stuff. You maybe have heard that before in other kinds of leadership circles, but it's so true. It is a biblical truth. You cannot go back and make a brand new start, but you can start today and make a brand new ending. It is your integrity that allows you to go forward from this moment 
beyond the past. I love Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Favorite, favorite, favorite verse of of, uh, Bible followers down through the years. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, God loves you. Now, with the trajectory of your baggage, and he offers to you a new mercies, the new mercies every day, praise his holy name. So you can't go back and start again, but you can start now and have a better ending. This is what Samuel is trying to communicate as he leaves and he says, as I'm going forward, I'm leaving this chapter, going to the next. How am I doing? Because it is integrity that leads. Well, let's see how the story continues. In verse 6, then Samuel said to his people, it is the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your ancestors up out of Egypt. Now then, stand here, because I'm going to confront you with the evidence before the Lord as to all the righteous acts performed by the Lord for you and for your ancestors. After Jacob entered Egypt, they cried to the Lord for help, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your ancestors out of Egypt, and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, so he sold them into the hands of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazor, and into the hands of the Philistines and the king of Moab, who fought against them. They cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned and we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hands of our enemies and we will serve you. And then the Lord sent Jeroboam and Barak and Jephthah and Samuel. And he delivered you from the hands of your enemies all around you so that you lived in safety. Stop there for a second. What's he doing? He's helping them to remember that remembering centers our life. It gives balance. It gives perspective. And what I mean by remembering is not remembering your past sins so much as remembering the activities of God. Do you see what God had done? You have a big picture, Israelites. You have a big picture. And you can track the activities of God through the big pictures. God has been active. God has been dynamic. And he's been doing some interesting things in the life of you as people. But the same is true of you and me. God has been active. God has been doing things. God is sovereign. Some of those things that he has been doing has been quite desirable and interesting and enjoyable. And we give glory to God. Even if we don't know to give glory to God, we're happy. We're recognizing these are good circumstances. Sometimes we think it's just serendipity. And yet there is God above that's actually conducting the affairs of life. And he's doing some things that are actually quite cool and quite interesting. Some of the things he does, it's more along the line of hardship or discipline. Those things are a whole lot less easy to be happy about. But either way, God is active. God is active. His sovereignty demands that if God is God, then he is sovereign and he is active. And God has always been helpful. His love demands it. Now, my perspective on that which is helpful 
is sometimes mixed up. My perspective on that which is good sovereignty and bad sovereignty is completely mixed up. I don't understand it. But as I look at the perspective of what God has been doing in my life, the activities of God, I begin to see a God that is active in my life, sometimes in the good, sometimes in the bad, sometimes in the things that I think are good, sometimes in the things I think are bad, sometimes in the things that I think are better, sometimes in the thing I things I think are worse. But there is a God that is active. And as I remember the activities of God, it centers. It allows me to have a perspective when my past overwhelms my present. The, the Lamentations 3.21, the very verse before the one I had just read, last uh, point, says this, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. A calling to mind brings hope. Remembering centers us. Remembering the activities of God through the flow of my life allows me to live beyond that which inspires guilt in me, pressure in me. This I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In those moments when, um, when you question God's good intentions, you're not quite sure that God is good. I'd, I'd love for you to just open up Psalm 36, don't do it now. Put it in your mind or on your paper or in your notes. Remember Psalm 36. I have a message from God in my heart concerning my sinfulness. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like a highest mountain. Your justice like a great deep. You, Lord, Preserve people and animals. Your, how precious, priceless is your unfailing love, O oh God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from the river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Continue your love to those who know you. Your righteousness to the upright in heart. Remembering centers. It gives you the balance of perspective that sometimes, the, the imbalance that sometimes happens when our past overwhelms our present. Well, what's next in the story? Verse 12. But when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was moving against you, you said to me, no, we want a king to rule over us, even though the Lord your God was your king. Now here is the king you have chosen, the one you've asked for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his command, and if both, of you, both you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, good. But if you do not obey the Lord, and if you rebel against his commands... His hands will be against you, as it was against your ancestors. Now then, stand still and see this great thing the Lord is about to do before your eyes. 
Is it not the wheat harvest now? I will call on the Lord and send thunder and rain, and you will realize what an evil thing uh, you did in the eyes of the Lord when you asked for a king. Then Samuel called on the Lord, and the same day the Lord sent thunder and rain. So all the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. The people all said to Samuel, Pray to the Lord your God for your servants, so that we will not die, for we have added to all of our other sins the evil of asking for a king. I think the point here is that comparison kills. Comparison kills. To move beyond your past, you're going to have to stop comparing. Now, I pull that out of here because the Israelites were comparing themselves to the nations around them. One of the nations is mentioned, the Ammonites, right? So they were comparing themselves against all the nations around them. Uh, They wanted a king just like the rest of them. Why, Why don't we have a king to follow? Why don't we have someone who we can follow? Why don't we have someone to give leadership so that we can follow the leader? Why don't we have all that? Now, those are all pretty decent questions in and of themselves, but here was the problem. They had a king. The problem here was they had a king. They had someone to follow. They had someone that was leading. What they wanted was something else. What they wanted was something, that, something else that the other people had, something that God hadn't provided them. See, that's the problem. The problem is they wanted something else. They wanted what somebody else had, not what God had provided for them. So often we evaluate our lives about how, based on how it stacks up against other people, as if other people were the gold standard for life. But we constantly are comparing ourselves. Why, why do I have this problem and they don't? Why did I have the family of origin from which I came and, and they, they didn't? Why is it that I have these problems and they don't have those problems? Why can't I have a better past? Why can't I have... And friends, when we ask those questions, we are comparing ourselves against something other than what God has provided. God either provided or allowed that which has happened, and somehow or other, God is intentional on what He's doing. And I know that creates some problems sometimes in our lives. Why? Why, God, did you do that? But the question why more often than not is comparing against somebody else, what God has provided somebody else, and that kills. That kills your soul. Galatians 6, 4, but let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. God has a plan for your life. God is active. He's doing things that we perceive as good. He's doing things we perceive as bad. He's doing things we perceive as better. He's doing things we perceive as worse. If If he doesn't have a plan, then he's not God. He's not sovereign. Don't follow him. I might not like the hand that God has dealt me. I might not. But he did deal it. And when I compare against other people, I'm rejecting the very God I say I follow. He has done what he has done for me. I may not like it all, but he has been active. I may not like the hand he's dealt me, 
but he's the one who has dealt with me. And when I compare against other people and what they have and what I don't have and what they're doing, what I, I can't do, it kills the soul. God has a plan for me, my life independent. He does not plagiarize. He does not take somebody else's life and lay it over yours. He's doing something that's one of a kind, that is unique. And I do not always like it. But it compounds my problem when I compare myself against what God is doing for you. There's an interesting textual note in here, just as a bit of an aside, outside of the sort of story I'm painting uh, in verse uh, 16. Now then, stand still and see this great thing the Lord is about to do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest now? I will call on the Lord and send thunder and rain, and you will realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord when you asked me for king. That doesn't make any sense to us, okay? Uh, and it doesn't seem to make sense in the flow of the story here either, but um, it doesn't make sense to us. But he, he says it's, it's harvest time now. Now, that's an important thing to know because in harvest time, mid-May to mid-June in ancient Palestine, uh, there never was rain. There was never thunder. It ne that's why it was harvest time because all the good rain and such had happened up till then. And now, this was the moment of harvest. It never did. There's no history of it raining except Samuel says, you want a sign? There will be a miracle. And it is a miracle to show you how evil you have been in asking for this. The thing that I pull out of that is, be careful if you're asking for a miracle. This miracle was less encouragement and more of an indictment. So be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. Okay, back to the story. Verse 20, do not be afraid, Samuel replied. You have done all this evil, yet you did not turn away from the Lord. But Yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. Let that sink to your soul, Right? Let that say, for the sake of his name, it's not even about you. For the sake of his great name, he will not reject you because the Lord is pleased to make you his own. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and to serve him faithfully with all your hearts. Consider great things he has done for you. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish. History isn't decisive, dear friends. God was working in their past and is working in their future regardless of their past. Their history of cringeworthiness is not going to stop God from doing what God wants to do, the good he wants to unfold, the direction he wants you life to take. Your history is not decisive. God is not confined by their past, and he's not confined by yours. I should say that again. He's not confined by their past, and he's not confined by yours. Whatever it is, 
Whatever it is that you find from your past. That is not decisive. That is not decisive. Of your future. Romans 8.28. This is a favorite verse of, of people. Bible readers through the history. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who, is, who have been called according to his purposes. And it's such a beautiful verse. It's been poorly used in some instances. So for those who have had it used poorly, that my, my sorrow, my regret, regrets on that. But the truth is, this is a beautiful verse. It's his business. His business is to do good. That's what he's up to. That's what he does. That's what he's working. He's massaging the activities of our lives in order to get us to good. He develops that which is good. And the raw material, according to that verse, for doing the good, is all things. Right? All things is the raw material that God uses to massage you towards good. <laughs> to a to allow good to be experienced in your life. You see, God, God is in the business of making good out of bad. If you cringed, then he's in the business of making good out of bad. Interesting, as you read the scriptures, that God does not only make good out of bad, he actually does what no human can do, and he makes good out of evil. And he takes all things. That's his material to do that which he is working on. Your past is simply the all things that God is making you. What he hopes to bring something good from you, from the trajectory that God has up until this point in your life. Your history might have been directive, but it is not decisive. He is not confined I passed. You are not confined or defined by your past. So what have we said? Integrity leads, remembering centers, comparison kills, history isn't decisive, so what are we going to do about this? What are the practices that could attach to these things so that this actually helps? Uh, as we move out from here. I think for some people today, I think for some people, you're going to start a journal of God's activity in your life. That's what you're going to do. And for some, that's actually a written journal, right? You write, write down, here's what God's doing, right? Others, they're not quite as good with the pen, but they are good in their own minds, and they actually, they actually pay attention See, if, if God is active, they're going to pay attention to what, what where, where is God in that? How did God enter into that? What could God make out of that? Paying attention, being intentional, journaling, whatever it is, but you're going to be paying attention to the activities of God, recognizing that He's in your circumstances, and you will do that because remembering centers. It gets you beyond your past. Some people here will choose to act contented until they are content. That's a tough one, but some people out of this 
truth today will act contented till they are content. They'll stop seeking approval through their job or their spouse or their children or their car or their whatever. They'll stop seeking the approval of all of those things. They'll know that, as I said, God does not plagiarize. He's not interested in writing somebody else's story onto yours. He's really interested in you. He's creative and and dynamic, and he's doing a one-of-a-kind thing. He And you will act contented until you are content because you know that comparison kills the soul. I think some here will finally and fully forgive themselves. With, With these truths in mind, you'll finally come to that moment. There on your couch at home, here in a seat in the sanctuary. You'll finally and fully forgive yourself. You'll realize you'll release the baggage of your past sin. You'll recognize that God forgets. He forgets. He forgets. You you may bear the scars without a doubt, but you no longer bear the punishment. You will do that, that because even, even those things that cause us cringeworthy are some, cringe, are some of the very things that God is, is using to make good. And you'll fully and finally forgive yourself because you know that history isn't decisive. It does not define you. And I think some here will finally and fully give themselves to godly integrity. They will take these, this moment and they will commit themselves once again to the integrity that it takes to live a future without regret. And, 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 and you'll do that. You'll, you'll, you'll change, you'll give up some of the bad business practices that may be common in the general populace, but they're not common for integrity. And you'll move forward with integrity in your business life. You'll move forward with integrity by fulfilling those promises you made to those children. I will be the person. I will do the things that we promised. You'll move forward with integrity in your family. You'll, you'll be wise and honest with your own monies, the, 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 the treasure that God has given to you as a stewardship to distribute in ways that are helpful for you and the kingdom. You see, you'll move forward with integrity because you know that integrity leads the way forward to a life without regrets. Let me pray for us. Father, we find ourselves in this moment. This is not a moment we've had in the past, and it's not a moment we will have in the future. We have this moment. And Father, the trajectory of all of our life up to this moment have caused us to smile and rejoice and be glad. It has also caused us to cringe and to struggle 
with the guilt and the weightiness of the things that we have done or have been done to us. But this is our moment, Lord. This is our moment. And so we come to you with the new mercies that are required to start today. And we beg of you to provide the mercies required to start anew today. Father, there are some in this hearing of this truth here that are truly dealing with some debilitating issues from their past. And oh God, would you give them the strength to reach out for the professional help that will be required to navigate that. Give them the strength and the resources to, to talk those things through because they are truly debilitating and they truly cannot be done alone. For many of us, Lord, as we deal with some of the difficulties of our past, we do need to listen to the scriptures today that remind us of how to move forward. So, Father, would you speak to our hearts? Speak to us in the area of our need, of our application. And would you do this for our good and for your glory? In Jesus' name, amen.